This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water, vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso. Yo, yo, it's the Life is Dope Podcast. I'm your man, Graffiti. What's good, ladies and gentlemen? It's Davey. How you doing, bro? Hey, I feel great. How about yourself? Hey, man, I'm chilling, man. I'm, I'm, I'm on the cloud right now. It's a good day. <laughs> it's a good day. What's going on in the world, brother? What kind of cloud is that? I'm just high on life, you know? <laughs> life is dope, bro. Uh, it's a lot of shit going on, man. It's, uh, where do we start? Where do we start? Um, uh, iPhone X users making bank by reselling device on eBay. Hmm. Oh, you got the X too. How much are they reselling for? I don't know, probably something stupid. Let me see. Let me open the article instead of just reading the headline. Yeah. Uh, starting at nine ninety nine. That's not bad. Uh, oh, two thousand. Twenty four hundred. Okay. That's a cool. Start talking. Start talking. Yeah, yeah. Talk yeah, in any time. Question about this first. Yeah. My name is Musa. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Damn. I, I thought we was Straight on iPhones. I thought we was on iPhones eight. Yeah. Now we're, we just skipped nine and went straight to ten. Yeah. Well, they're not calling it ten; they're calling it X. X. Even though it's ten. Even though it's ten. Then but if you think about it, numerals, fan. Yeah. <laughs> if you think about it, the iPhone kicked off at what? Three. Three. Yeah. It was iPhone, and then it went iPhone three G. Oh. So is it going to be nine after X? No. Probably. But I mean, Apple don't give a fuck. They're going to go back to. Probably going to do either 11 or X2. Yeah, it's going to be yeah. X. Well, I guess the X is X is technically not supposed to be a part of the numeral family. It's, it's like, just its own it's iPhone. Next generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they killed me. I like it, though. This shit just, it feel weird, man. It's kind of small, but I like the phone. Oh, close. Yeah, Might yeah, sell yeah. this bitch, though, if they flipping it for 2000 Yeah. Damn. Hmm. I'm cool with the A+. What else is going on, bro? Uh, let's see. White Louisiana team busted for burning down black church. <sighs> so, what happened? Let's see. They took him uh, to Burger King. Let's see. According to hotnews.com, <laughs> a white teenager has been arrested in Richland Parish, Louisiana, in connection with the destruction of a predominantly black church in the neighborhood. Uh, the building burned down early last week, and eyewitnesses have identified the young man as a possible suspect. Based on accounts of events, uh, let's see, a 15-year-old in question is now being accused of stealing a truck and using gasoline to torch the place, of course. Wait, wait, he's 15? No, like... Stole the truck and used gasoline to torch the place. Uh, man, y'all just letting white... Yeah, but it's not funny, forever, but... Man. Y'all gotta relax. Dude. And there was a church shooting, Jay Carey said in the back. Oh, he's still awake? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man. What's going on, man? Let's see what else is going on. Um, they shot up that Walmart in Portland with the oh, yeah, yeah, man. They local are Denver here. news. Yeah, and local Denver news, well, national news, really. Yeah. They shot up the Walmart. So what what happened with that? Because I was trying to keep up and kind of lost track. Like you know, to my understanding, someone just walked in and lone white shooter. Yeah, goes in and shoots three Mexican people. I'm pretty sure that's what. It yep. So yeah. terrorism. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I mean, but again, it's are they describing it as that? Dude, he had like a stack of Bibles in the crib. I've been keeping up on this one a little wow. bit. Wow, his story is weird as fuck, bro. Man, it's weird as fuck. These Let's talk about that. The, the the lone white shooter thing. I think this is something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hate to get into conspiracies and shit, but Let's talk about it. There's too many. There's too many of these lone, just distraught white dudes. Right. That Vegas shit don't make no sense at all. Yeah, where nothing about it makes sense. The one person could cause that much. Chaos. Yeah, that's that's yeah. deeper. For what? Matter of uh, fact, it's we, white on white, like white person killing white people. Like, right. Like, there's no sense behind that. What? Why? <sighs> Shit gets deep, man. But we're gonna we're gonna go ahead right, and uh, yeah, yeah. let's go ahead and intro <laughs> Musa since he's about to just. <laughs> I'm, I'm very current <laughs> affairs. Bro. I'm here for current affairs <laughs> Wait, too. Let's, let's do one more. Let's do one more. All right, let's get one more. Let's see. There's an article <laughs> that says why DJ Quick is one of the greatest of all time. 
Because the nigga's perm was flawless, no homo. Do we feel like he's one of the greatest of all time? <laughs> I mean, at what though? From a turf aspect, at, at what? He's one of the best producers ever. Okay. I think I can get behind that. Rapper. He's a legend, no he's doubt. Not even top one hundred rappers. Have we but. forgiven uh, DJ Quick for disrespecting? I think we got to eventually get over that, Denver. <laughs> we have, we to, have to let that shit go at some point. Thirty years ago, that's <laughs> right? <laughs> Niggas that go to concert now. That if you're eighteen, you don't know what DJ Quick did to us. <laughs> Come on, man. We gotta let that shit ride. All right. Well, quick, if you're listening, uh, you can come to Denver, yeah, you, you bro. Come, come smoke with us. You're man. safe. You're you good. got our word, man. Over here, at we least. Try to put that gang shit aside now. Yeah, yeah they, they let it go. <laughs> but if you do want to do your research, uh, what, what was the song like? Just like Compton. Yeah. Denver. Man, shut your ass. Look, you mad again? We should have just let it ride after that. Now we done reignited this shit, man. We gonna show you it's not like Compton here. <laughs> but what's the question? Was he one of the greatest? Yeah, I guess it depends on which aspect you're looking at. Producers, okay. he's producer? a good, solid. You have solid. to mention him hits. up there with Battle Cat and all hits. Yeah. He made hits. Yeah. Battle Cat, Drake. Yeah, you have to. But that's that's where he ends right there. Here's here's some good news. Diddy changed his name to Love. And that's not good news at all. That's terrible news because I'm not calling no grown ass man Love. <laughs> I don't like that news at all. Diddy needs to stop, man. He got a new album. All these dudes out. are going through midlife crises, bro. And I, that's when you start changing your name to Lovejoy and, and, and Sparkle, Sparkle Cuz. <laughs> Diddy's going through a midlife crisis. Bless. All right, let's get into it. Yeah, all right, man. So we got another dope episode for you guys, special guests in the building. Who do we have? Man, this man is legendary out here in Denver, bro. Real talk. We're going to let him tell it because y'all sleep on it. He could explain himself a little bit more than I can. But it's Musa yeah, in the building. Pleasure to be here with y'all, brothers. This is great. No doubt, this bro. So great. for the people who don't know, let them know who you are and what you do. All right. My name is Musa Bailey. Uh, I'm from Denver, Colorado. I'm from New Jersey originally. One time, Jerry's my man in the building. Uh, I'm from Princeton, New Jersey originally. Uh, my, my mom's from Denver. She went to East High School, and she was one of the first black women to go to Princeton University from, from Colorado. Okay. So I was born in uh, Princeton University, or not Princeton University, I was born in Princeton. Uh, my father is from New Jersey, but my mom's from Denver. We moved back to Denver when I was about four, okay. and I grew up here. So I'm a Denver native, I've been here all my life, um, but then I moved uh, back to New York for about ten years. I lived in New York City for a while, uh, got married, moved to London for a little bit, um, that's my phone, man. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm just giving you my backstory, just like who I am personally. Uh, yeah, yeah. But uh, but I'm back in Denver. I've been living here since uh, probably like 2005. Uh, I'm back on. I'm a DJ. I'm an art collector and curator. Um, I just owned a bar and a, a restaurant just recently, Cold Crush. Rest in peace. We'll get into that. Definitely get into that. Um, I got a Airbnb jump off right now. This ridiculous, that. you know, Curtis Park, Curtis, Curtis, Curtis Park Art House. Yeah. You know, like I'm just a businessman and an artist. I make uh, I make music. I make beats. Uh, producers, DJs, uh, MCs, get at me. I'm um, I'm looking at formate formulating like a not even like a label, but just like a, a conglomerate of yeah. There you go of of Denver art and culture, uh, especially in this neighborhood because this is where I'm from, Five Points, Curtis Park. Like this, I know this like the back of my hand. So, uh, what else do I do? Uh, I'm a dad. Straight up, I'm a dad. That's a very important part of my life right now. And uh, yeah, now let's talk about shit. Hell yeah, you do, <laughs> you do a lot of shit, man. Let's, let's I do a lot of things. The, uh, I do music, a lot of things. the music aspect. Um, um, definitely, I think personally one of the most slept on DJs as far as when you start mentioning the established DJs in the city. Yeah. I feel like your name has to come up. I've been DJ lining everybody. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I remember going, so my dad used to throw parties in Park Hill in the Holly. Mm. And Big John used to DJ those parties. Dang, Big, Big John. John used to DJ those parties. And so I remember when I was little, little kid. Going to the to Holly and and my dad like collecting money and paying Big John and, and like yeah. seeing like hip hop culture like really really at its like small small stages and so I was like man that looks fun right. that looks fun and then uh, and then I met Little John who's another Denver legend it's a white dude from Park Hill and asked Big John about Little John <laughs> I forget Little John's last name but it's a white dude from Park Hill 
and uh, he had 1200s in his house, and he was already nasty, and this was like 1980-whatever, and uh, I was over there playing basketball with the homies, and I was like, dude, what's going on in there, and I saw 1200s for the first time, and I was like, oh, these are these are dope, like, and and he proceeded to do like a battle routine in front of me with the back to life, the shit, the the fucking however do you want me had just came out, oh, shit. Had, that shit had just dropped. That's like 1990 or like 1989, and it still and slaps. He, yeah, it slaps yeah, yeah. to this day. So he did a battle routine with that in front of me, and I was like, I got the chills on the back of my neck, bro. I was like, man, I don't, I think I want to do this shit. And so I went home and I was like, Dad, I, I want to. I think I want to get some turntables and shit. And he knew a DJ at the time who was selling some shit. Right. So like a week later, I got turntables. I was thirteen. So it began. I was thirteen when I had the turntables in my basement, and I was just like, Oh shit, it's on! I had a party like a week later. <laughs> I, had, I got turntables, a mixer, speakers, and a couple records for like two hundred and fifty dollars from this shit. guy. And that, that was it, bro. And from that point, uh, I just started DJing seriously. I was already nicer than most niggas when I was like 18. That shit you know what I'm saying? Because I had been DJing. Like, that's what I was doing as a kid. You right, know what I'm right. saying? Like, like really like practicing and stuff because that's all I wanted to do. I wasn't really that into girls th- that yet at that point. I was just like, man, music, 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 music. And so from that, man, I just was able to move to New York and link up with Saul Williams, who is probably one of the most prolific poets. I know a lot of people probably don't know this guy, man, but he's a big deal. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, he was signed to Rick Rubin. Mm -hmm. So I I met him in New York, and he's like, yo, I need a DJ. I was like, all right, let's let's go. And we did a show at um, CBGB's Gallery, which is like, it's not even there in New York. It's like a historic place in New York City. And, uh, And the next day, we flew to Paris, bro. Shit. I was just living in New York, just DJing in yeah. spots, and then like that went from like, all right, we killed it that night. All right, now here's a plane ticket. Let's go be on French TV. We were on TV Damn. the next time. What age was Man, I was like 21, 22. Okay. This is when I was living in New York. Yeah. And uh, so I met Saul, man, and I ended up producing like two or three tracks on his first album. Like, I was in the studio with Rick Rubin and Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine yeah. and fucking the Chad, the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, they, I, I got to see, like, the music industry, bro. Right. In L.A., like, in New York City, we're bouncing back and forth recording this dude's album. The album didn't do well commercially, but, like, it, I, I learned the game of the music industry when I was, like, 24 years old. Damn. And I'm 43 now, and... Beyond you know, season. so yeah, it's just like I don't I don't tell people a lot of these stories because like you know it's 2017, bro. That shit was fucking a long time ago. But right. that's that's part of who I am that's now. And why why I why I, I moved the way I moved because I, I learned the, the the real deal music industry back when there still was one. Back when there was like advances and studios right. and all that old school music industry stuff. Right. You know what I'm saying? So what was your favorite uh, memory of working with Saul Williams? Uh, that's a good question, dude. Uh, this dude shot me the this this dude showed me the world, man. I've been to Paris four times. I've been to Amsterdam five times performing. Like, like it's just the the traveling part of it. The fact that I was like so young and and my passport was just like pow 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 pow. You know what I'm saying? That I could see all these places that I wouldn't normally get a chance to see because I was a performer and an entertainer. You know what I'm saying? So there's not I can't think of like one particular moment but I just remember like uh, here's a good moment we played a festival in France with De La Soul was the headliner wow. and I was like how could you forget that you know what I'm saying I was like man this is crazy <laughs> that's when you just done yeah 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 like, super, super yeah, bro this, this was long, this was like in the 90s and like De La Soul was a headliner and I got to meet them and and I got I mean, like I said, I smoke weed. Like in France, it's different. They don't they don't have weed like this. They have they got hash, bro. Like yeah. if you want to get high in Paris, you 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 gotta know somebody for real to get weed. But everybody has hash. So I remember like just after the show, just meeting these French kids and just getting high as fuck. And I just couldn't just speak no French at all. <laughs> I just didn't speak anything. And we're just sitting. I'm just sitting there just laughing and smoking with these kids. And I almost missed the plane. I almost missed the plane like almost every show and everywhere we went because I was the extra dude in the group. You know what I'm saying? I was always trying to find weed. I was always like going to get sneakers right before, like an hour before because you know what I'm saying? Like I was the extra dude. So 
just the whole experience of like traveling and being in a band. You know, I was traveling with like five or six people right. and Saul and that shit was just amazing, man. It just taught me how to how to how to be part of a team. You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. You're also an avid um I wanna say like cartoon comic sci-fi type I'm nerdy as fuck bro nerd ass I'm a nerd that's fine (laughs) but listen the cool part is like like nerds is winning the game right (laughs) nerds is killing the game right now especially black nerds like I don't know where it became like not not cool to be like into comic books or Mm -hmm. cartoons or whatever but like bro I grew up on comic books like that was like my first little connection to art and creativity is like looking at X-Men comics and and looking at uh um you know just different versions of of cartoons and stuff and just being like man this is creative you know there's something cool about this but then it's like you start like the hood starts making you like feel embarrassed for liking shit like that you know what i'm saying and like the pressure of of each other we're like oh that ain't cool man that ain't cool but i never i never really succumbed to that because it's like i I just know and that's what's cool about being a dj because like i could be like a nerd for music right. and Cats Under left me alone about that you yeah, know yeah. it wasn't like oh this nigga collects comic books you know you know, it's like nah this dude is like music nerd right. you know what I'm saying so but 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 uh, but comics and, and anime and all that Japanese shit bro I love that shit and I always I have for a really long time to the point now where that's I'm trying to make a project right. about my son and, and our life of, which is the assassin with son shit you mm-hmm. know that um, that's, that's from that vein you know, that's, like, that's the kind of project I'm working on right now. That's dope. that's dope. So how do you feel about the art of DJing now in 2017? And just the, the evolution it's gone through. It's You know what's cool? It's back. The uh, the DMC champion this year is 12 years old. Yeah, that shit's crazy. Japanese kid. For a 12-year-old Japanese. Look him up, bro. <laughs> and he killed it. And he killed the, With Funky Cold Medina, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. his routine was like, the, like old school hip hop songs. He used uh, the Feral Munch shit to get the fuck up and he used Funky Cold Medina. That's that's music that there's he's not even connected to. Right. You know what I'm saying? But but he is because hip hop is eternal and for him to be able to be as good as he is at twelve years old as a DJ, that gives me hope. You know, I know a lot of people are just like, man, it's corny and all these sucker DJs. Man, there's a lot of fake-ass DJs out here just just killing it, you know, making money and driving nice cars and all that shit. And, like, look, fucking bless. But what I I see is the future. What I'm thinking about is the future. And for a 12-year-old kid to win the biggest DJ competition in the world, DJing is good right now. We're good because that means that young kids are back on the like fucking let's get nice. Right. Yeah. Fuck this button pushing and being like, oh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm dope because I'm fucking jumping up and down or I, I play the loudest than anybody else. You know, nah, man, are you dope? Right, right. Are right, you right. dope? And like that's that's back. Mm. So, so I'm, I feel that though. I feel positive. What about, about hip hop? That's a different story, man. I don't. I can't. I'm a DJ, bro. I don't care about rappers that much. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I don't really care about like. I mean, I care about the other sides of hip hop, but the 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 way the music sounds now, the way it is now, it's not necessarily for me. Right. You know, and like I said, I'm 43, bro. Like I'm not, I'm not 18. I'm not. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I can see how this appeals to young kids, yeah. 18 year olds, 19 year olds. Like if that age, you just want to turn up and get lit. I get it. So I don't disassociate myself from it because it's all still hip hop. Right. But at the same time, like that's not the music that I particularly want to DJ or play and I, but I don't have a problem with what it is because it's just things change man it's true you know I'm just I, I see a lot of old dudes that just don't they don't adapt well man and they don't that that kind of puts you out the game because like if you're dissing new shit then you're not even paying attention to what you can learn from exactly. new right. shit. you that's know what real. I'm saying like that that's not even like a, a a, a, a way to live as a wise person. <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? You, do you dissing kids? She's <laughs> yeah, not nah, cool, bro. You dissing <laughs> young people. You're gonna be like, oh, that's corny, or that you don't do that, or whatever. Like, I'm not, I'm not a big. And you know what's cool? My dad never did that. Right. And that's why I'm in the game the way I am because my dad. As soon as I was like, Dad, I like this hip hop shit. I like. He's like, okay, cool. He wasn't. He could have been like, man, that's that's for, you know, yeah, that, I don't yeah. like that, or you shouldn't be into that. He was just like, you know what? If you like this. I like it too, and I'm gonna try to like be your father and be into it, right. even though it may not be for me. 
That I mean, a lot. There's a lot to learn from what's going on right now with the music and young people, and like they think people should stop dissing it so much and just be like, "Yo, what can we learn from these guys? What are they trying to tell us? Straight up, you know? Yeah, what are, that everyone's on fucking drugs. What does that <laughs> tell us? Right? What are they trying? What to are say? they trying to say, man? <laughs> like everyone's leaning out every day. That yeah. has to. That's a, a cry for help. Right. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, hip-hop generation before that, we sold all these little niggas as drugs. Man, look, we created so, a generation of crack babies, fam. Yeah. Like, you know? The generation, like, if, if you sold crack in the 90s or, or, <laughs> or the 2000s even, and you got anything to say about anything, you need to shut your ass up, man. <laughs> right. Because uh, you contributed to the to the, to the the problem, you right. know? I don't, I don't know, man. It's just it's a lot of drugs right now, man. They're doing heavy drugs. And so that changes the sound. I mean, you can think about, like, the 60s and acid and, like, psychedelic mm-hmm. music. When you've taken a lot of drugs, that changes your your personal perception of the universe. Right. Sound sounds different on lean and acid and weed and That's all these fact. things. Yeah. So, like, if, if you look at the way even the music has slowed down, right. that's a reflection of the lean. And now when cats are in the studio, they want to lay back yeah. and it, it feels like slower or whatever yeah. you know what I'm saying as opposed to in like the 80s and the 90s hip hop was like you know cause yeah, it's cocaine and like yeah, you know what I'm saying it's like it's drugs, is, it's drugs are always a part of, of the way music sounds and moves yeah. the same way acid did in the 60s like if you, you, you in the studio on acid bro you're you're on another Dimension of <laughs> you're on another you're in another dimension. That's why George Clinton did. That's why them fools really became hardcore drug addicts. Yeah. Because when you start doing crack and smoking a lot of cocaine and doing a lot of cocaine in the studio, bro, you become invincible. Mm-hmm. Every riff, everything you do sounds good as fuck. And you're just like you press record, and then you go back and listen to that shit sober, and you might have a fucking hit record on your hand, bro. Right. I promise you, George and them. Fucked up on all of them fucking. See, that's why uh, Twenty One Savage rap everything like a they did. They were high as fuck. <laughs> it's them Zans, bro. So how can we be like looking at these kids now and be like, oh, don't do drugs, man? What are y'all doing? Why are y'all yeah, doing all these part drugs? Of the creative process. Well, that's part of the process, man. Unfortunately, crazy. I wish there was a better way, but this music and drugs has been going hand in hand forever, man. Yeah, forever. But the good thing I think that's kind of come from just the, the change in the hip hop industry is the, the business aspect. You have a lot more independent artists you have a lot more artists who are entrepreneurial isn't that the the essence of hip-hop though man Mm. that's not even like going back that's just what it is if you can't do this by yourself Mm -hmm. what the fuck are you doing right if you can't do it with your squad and your town and your people then what are you doing that is the epitome of hip-hop that's exactly what new york city did Mm. they did that shit by their motherfucking selves bro Mm. with nothing with no help from the government, no resources. They just said, you know what, fuck this shit. We're going to change all this shit right now, overnight. They had a riot. Everybody had DJ equipment. <laughs> and, and fucking the blackout is when everybody came up, man. Yeah. And everybody had DJ equipment, and they said, now we're independent. That's, that's as hip-hop as it gets. The, the industry stole hip-hop for a minute. Mm. The music industry stole hip-hop. But it's you can't. It's too powerful to to contain because once you say to someone, "Here goes a computer," now you can go make a whole entire album at your crib. Literally, you get and you get independent again. Right, 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 right. It's, it couldn't be more independent than it is right now. Bro. And you can, I, you can fucking make a song, put that shit on YouTube, and the whole fucking world can see it immediately. Like that's right independent now. as fuck. Yeah. So like. Uh, it, the industry had hip hop for a minute because they had control over the distribution of music. Who could get it? Where? Where you could get it? Now, yeah. That's done. Cool. That's been done, man. So now we got the foundation. We got the backstory of Musa. We talking about independence and uh, doing it yourself. Let's go ahead and get to it, man. Tell the people about Cold Crush. All right, so I'm just going to start from the beginning because this is a funny. This is a cool funny story. <laughs> This is a cool, true story. Okay. So, like, 2012, I'm out with my homie, Eric Cunningham, and who, who ends up, we'll get to, he ends up being the other main pillar of this. We're at um, 3014, which ironically is the Brian, the Brian, uh, the building that Brian owns now. Yeah. So he owns this building that we met in. So this guy comes to 3014, me and Eric are sitting outside on the patio, 
And he's all loud and shit. He's got a fucking fur coat on or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> Or some shit, dog. And it was like October. It wasn't even that cold yet. You know what I'm saying? He's notorious for that, like wearing big ass coats when it ain't even that cold. Just being but uh, yeah, just being out there. So anyway, he comes in, just being all loud and shit. Yeah. Instantly, I'm just like, man, this guy's a fucking jerk. And uh, and I look at Eric. I was like, yeah, bro, whatever. But then he, in that same night, he ends up just buying everybody drinks. You know? And then it's just like you, that's yeah, why you cool. can't just like yeah. just be like first impression. Is sometimes accurate, but not always. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But th- he ended up like just buying the whole bar drinks and just being a really nice guy. So him and Eric had become friends before I became friends, Brian, because uh, I hadn't even been around him as much as Eric had. And then finally, he was like, "Yo, you should come talk to this dude, man. He like he knows about you now. I've been telling him about you. You know, like he wants to maybe open a bar and whoop de boo all this shit." So I was like, "All right, I'll talk to him," but like. Fuck it, bro. Like, I, I don't, I've been talking to people about right. shit like this. You know, like, a couple people had already came at me because of the DJ shit, bro. I've been throwing parties and doing shit forever. Right. So I've had this conversation before. Oh, I want to open a bar or whatever. I was like, all right, man. I wasn't even that excited about it. So then I met him one night uh, after a gig I had had that I didn't get paid for. I remember this vividly. Okay. Like, somebody was supposed to have my money after the gig and they gave me a check. And I was like, oh, you gotta fucking be kidding me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I told, like, I work in cash and they knew that, but they gave me a check at the end of the night. I remember being really pissed off. And then Brian and Eric came and picked me up in Brian's Porsche. He used to have a Porsche at the time. And, uh, and, and he's like, man, Moose, what do you wanna do? Let's, like, Eric was adamant. He's like, let's, let's open this bar, bro. Let's get a bar. And I was like, man, fuck a bar, bro. I'm broke, man. He's crazy with a check tonight. <laughs> like fuck a bar I don't care about none of this shit and Brian was like man what you need bro and he just blah, 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 just gave me like two G's real quick and I was like dude alright man like I don't know why you're doing that I need this money so I'm gonna take it right. <laughs> I need this two racks I ain't gonna lie I need this two racks cause so I'm gonna take it but what he's saying he's like man let's fucking open a bar like I've been talking to a lot of people like Eric thinks you know what you're doing I know what I'm doing let's fucking make this happen so after about two weeks, we started really talking about it, yeah. like really doing it. And there was another girl who was helping us, Cassie. Yeah. yeah. Like, Brian, there's a, a really cool, beautiful, cool chick that was like right there with us, like being like, all right, what do we need? What do we need to do? Getting the liquor license done. I mean, it was a lot of work, bro. Yeah, yeah. It was. In the beginning, it just felt like a ton of work, like for nothing really it's like this is in the future and we're just like meeting every day <laughs> we're like man like when are we gonna start making some money on right, shit, right, right. <laughs> it, it, it felt like it took forever bro but then um it started to happen slowly but surely like we, the paperwork was being filed and all this stuff started happening so we were driving around brian was picking me up like looking at spots both of us, me, him, and Eric, and sometimes Cassie. But we were, we were driving around all over the city looking at spots. We were in the Highlands. We were all over the place mm-hmm. looking at shit. And it was just, no, no, no. Everything just was whack, bro. It was like, didn't want to be over there. Not so much that I wanted to be on the east side consciously, yeah. but something told me that that's not my hood over there. Or, like, I don't know if I'll be comfortable opening a business over there. So after, like, seeing two places one day, we drove down here. And he's like, Moose, there's a couple places down here. Let's look at one. And then we saw the corner spot. Mm. And, bro, that, that, that place has been there forever yeah. since, like, the fucking 50s, yeah. probably even before that. And it's been businesses since the 50s. It was, like, a, a pharmacy, a, um, a fucking grocery store at one point. Mm-hmm. It been turned up, And then it had been empty, for, vacant for, like, six years. Nobody was even thinking about that corner, bro. There was another. The Meadowlark was open. The Mashbox was open, and the Larimer Lounge were open, and though and Joe's Liquors. Yeah, those those are kind of the only businesses on that block at the time. So we drive by the shit, and I was like, "B, this is the spot." <coughs> this one, I felt the fucking chills on my neck. I was like, "Dude, this is the corner. This is the East Side. I grew up down here. Yeah. I know everybody that lives down here." Mm-hmm. And so we just jumped on the building, and from that point on, it was just like, all right, we got the spot now. Now we have a place. Before, we didn't have a location. It was just like this pipe dream because we were like doing all this work and shit, but we didn't still know. But as soon as we got that corner, bro, the whole thing changed. And then it was like overnight, it felt like it started to happen. Right. So that's this how it started. 
Right. All right. So let's let's move on to another question. You know, because like then, because like I can't really trace back the whole yeah, yeah. thing of it. But that's that's how it started, man. Of just like an idea. And I remember B had just moved here from L.A. and like cats were just like, oh man, everyone was coming at him. You know, because when dudes have money and they're like, they're fun, like you get a lot of people in your ear, and and like a lot of people had ideas for B. You know, they were like, yo, let's do this or let's let's get throw a concert and whatever, you know? But, like, the thing I'm most proud of is that we had the foresight to see that, like, those are temporary things. A right. show, that's one night of money, man. Yeah. It's one night. Yeah. Like, a, a bar, a restaurant, that's every night, man. That's seven days a week, just money, money, money. And I'm just, I'm proud of us having that foresight because we could have did some other shit, yeah. you know? And, like couple fucking dumbass concerts you know what I'm saying and spent a lot the same amount of money we spent to open Cold Crush on like two concerts and, and we could have lost a lot of money bro but yeah. instead like what was created was created you know what I mean so what would you say would be the brand of Cold Crush what does Cold Crush represent to you the uh, hip hop man hip hop like for real if I just boil it down because what, what we decided to do was like really go hard with the music stuff all right, so we, we built the DJ booth on purpose, mm-hmm. you know? Like, we could have just opened up a bar and just be like, all right, it's a bar. Yeah. We're going to put a table over here for DJ booth every now and then or whatever. Nah, bro, we, like, we put a really good sound system in there, mm-hmm. and we, we built a DJ booth that was like an altar almost, you know? So that's the that's the DJ side of me right. that I felt proud of is that, man, we're going to make this shit, like, hot for, like, DJs. And right? why, and and why for, Cold Crush? Why the name? From the Cold Crush Brothers, man. The old school hip-hop, man. That's a good question. A lot of people didn't really understand why it was called Cold Crush. It's because Cold Crush Brothers. And the, and it was actually Brian's brother who came up with the name, I think, because Eric and I didn't like it. We were just like, man, that's just... Sounds cold, or you know, we're like <laughs> yeah, from Colorado. Yeah. Dude's like, man, it just sounds like it's gonna be cold. But he's like, no, nah, man, it's like from the Cold Crush Brothers. Yeah. And then both of us was like, oh, okay, all right, <laughs> all right, it's fucking hip hop, cool. And so we we ran with the hip hop vibe so hard that 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 is the brand. The brand is art, which is graffiti and street art and all that stuff. We did that hard. The 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 music, the DJ side, the 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 playing new music breaking new music mm-hmm. we did that hard um, rappers in there MCs vocal you know it's it's the most hip hop shit I've probably ever seen in my life bro and I've right. been all over the world and I'm, I've it's been able to take all of those things and put them together in one thing yeah that's the brand word so it definitely is brand. a brand but alright so we got the beginning and then in the middle you know the people right. that know the story know the story but we ain't even gotta get into all that but Cold no, Crush the middle's be- important it became a culture it, pretty much like it became quickly, more than quickly, a bar way, qu- way quicker than we thought it was because right. like again when you provide something that people are connected to they're gonna come back they're yeah. gonna be drawn to it so right. before we knew it we were just in there playing Tribe Called Quest and Biggie and Nas and shit and people were like yo we fucking love this yeah, yeah. this is great like I can sit here and listen to Biggie and eat lunch <laughs> you know what I'm saying right. or eat tacos or whatever like there was nowhere in Denver that was like playing hip hop like in the middle of the day. No. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? When you walk in, it's fucking mob deep on in the speakers, and you got to make a decision right, right. if you want to sit down and eat lunch and listen to mob deep, or do, are you excited as fuck because that's what's going on right now? And before we knew it, people were just excited about that. They're like, man, like this is all hip hop all the time. Right. They're not in there really trying to be nothing else but that. Right. And it. Uh, Kind of lost where the question was. No, was so there, we were just talking about like, how, how it built a culture because pretty much. Oh yeah, the, the culture. I like to side. call Cold yeah. Crush like the Black Cheers because like, <laughs> yep, everybody knows each other. You know what I mean? Like, and, 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 and it's and not because we, we knew each other before that. It's because so here's another thing. I want to give a lot of props crush. to a lot of people to y'all to like Jeremy Pape and the Dope Game Kids. Yep. Like what what it, it it became like headquarters because of the way we tried to present it. So yeah. it was just like, all right, look, y'all want to come here and have y'all little rap meetings and y'all little group, you know? All right, cool, do that. So before we knew it, all the cool kids were going to Cold Crush first. That's that's why it was successful. Right. It wasn't like, oh, we just had all these people overnight. Nah, the right people in Denver were like going there, Rue, right. you know what I'm saying? Shout Big up Ms. Johnson, fucking uh, 
you know, Johnny Denver, all like, you know, Alvin Francois, all, all of a sudden, all everyone that was dope that was part of hip hop right. in Denver was at the bar. Right, 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 right. When you when you have that kind of momentum, you can't really stop that because then you're gonna get customers and people being like, "Who the fuck are all these good looking black people? And what, <laughs> why is everyone hanging out on, on this corner or doing right. whatever? You know what I'm saying? Right, like right. that that drew so much attention to us that ultimately in the end it did backfire because we we can't maintain that energy in that small of a place. Word. All right, so that's a good part right there. We're going to take a quick little break, pay some bills, and we're going to get in to the now yeah. and what's really going on. Life's Dope Podcast. Be right back. Bitches. Hey. Beginnings of most of yeah, that was that crush. was part part one. Yeah, of crush. how it started. Big again, big up to Brian Mathenge and Eric Cunningham, and and my dudes who and uh, Jip. So we'll we'll add my man to this equation too. Jip the Hip is uh, yeah. my homeboy. I've been DJing with for a long time, and uh, instantly I brought him in because I just knew that it needed that energy, and so. The, the, pretty much the four of us really had just put our hearts into this place. You know, Jip was DJing three times a week sometimes. I, you know, before we even pulled in anyone else, we were just there holding it down, and it still worked. So, uh, yeah, part two. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think part two of, is success. You know, part one is just a dream. You know, part one is just trying to do something that you think is going to be cool or that, you know, people will come to or you think is dope. Part two is success. You know, before we knew it, it's a line out the door. It's a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, really. It's a line out the door. and Every night. And we, every night. And we were just like, wait a minute. Like, we were just trying to do something fun for us. Yeah. You know, where we could just, like, be in there and just meet girls and hang out and just be cool and shit. But then it turned into, like, the club. Yeah. You know? Quickly, it turned into the club. And, uh... So, you know, then, and, but partly by our design, you know, we brought on promoters, we brought on Kevin Kane, we brought on Francois and Alvin, mm-hmm. 3D, to them. we brought on K-Tone, shout out to K-Tone, yeah. we brought on, um, you know, uh, DJs that probably a lot of people hadn't even heard of at yeah. that point, like fucking right. Toppy, you know, a lot of people knew Top Shelf, but when Top Shelf destroyed Cold Crush, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Every time, uh, Squizzy, people knew about him a little bit, mm-hmm. But after, after Cold Crush, this dude's a household name. Yeah. Because be like, it, it was cool. And for me, that's another thing I was the most proud of is that after we went from, all right, it's just me and Jip and our homies DJing, we brought in other DJs that we didn't really even know that well. Yeah, right? yeah, you know? yeah. I met Squizzy Taylor for the first time in Cold Crush. Setting up in my DJ booth. I'm like, man, who are you? I mean, he's like, man, I'm Squizzy Taylor. <laughs> he's like, I'm Squizzy Taylor. And I was like, bro, that's not your real name, is it? And he's like, nah, man, I'm Squizzy Taylor. I was like, I let it go. And uh, but, bro, he he destroyed that place. Yeah, he brought so much vibe and energy and the whole thing. So now we're talking about not just me or Jip or you know our homies in there. We're talking about K Tone. And Squeezy Taylor, K DJ, K DJ, Simone, oh, dude. I never like, knew first Simone. K DJ, real quick. Yeah. Let me go back to that dude. He's one of my favorite DJs, man. Because this dude is not a joke. Yeah. And and I, I think he's probably the most underrated dude here. I, you know what I'm saying? And he's because easily like man. Top he is fucking whatever list. Ugh. Yeah. I've seen him DJ so many. So here's the thing. You get all these DJs together. Yeah. Right. The best in the town. Yeah. Arguably best in the town dude i'm nice i promise you anybody wants it they can come see me anytime they want but the, the reality is it's it wasn't just about me it was about k and about k-tone and about toppy and squizzy and you know all these different djs yeah who are watching each other dj right bro we we're in there over a little, little doing this <laughs> on each other, I promise you. Nobody, uh, fuck Spider Tech. So here, here's here's the other my man. So Spider Tech and Wushu are part of my squad. I, mean, I got a squad yeah. of DJs called the Mean Team, mm-hmm. and it's me, Spider Tech, Wushu, Jip, and uh, and Spencer Foreman. 
and uh, bro, all of us have played in there so well and watched each other so much that we've created a squad. Yeah, yeah. Because it was like, man, where'd you get that from? Oh, fuck the fuck. You know what I'm saying? It was constantly just like watching each other play and be like, yo, I'm better just by like watching you right yeah, now. Exchanging you know? ideas. So it's like it became that like place for the DJs to get better. And that's why it exploded because we were in there testing records. We're in there doing shit that we probably couldn't do at other bars or other right. places. Yeah. And people are going nuts. People are going nuts. So like we proved to each other how to be better and this crowd responded to that and that's why it went bananas when you get all those that energy of that many good DJs in there you can't you can't really fuck with that and then on top of that you add the art side you know like I'm I'm rotating my friends we wrote we changed that mural 14 times yeah it was always something fire you know like and I can't even just big up every artist that's been in Cold Crush but it's that that is the other hip hop side of it it was just like all right, so we got the music shit locked down that's perfect how do we add something else and the something else was changing the art, changing the mural, like making it look like a new place right? every couple weeks or every month or so. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. so with that then came the success of everything. And with that success comes problems. Let's just get right into it. Like when Goody was murdered, everything changed. Yeah. Long live Boss Goody, man. Long live Boss Goody. Rest in peace, Boss Goody. He was one of the coolest people. I've ever met and he was just such a dope artist again it was about the dope people being down there right right so he was one of the cool kids yeah he was one of the cool kids and a cool kid should never get murdered you know a cool kid is supposed to be a cool kid and like just stay a cool kid he wasn't really about that fucking crazy shit like that you know what I'm saying yeah. right but when you um, when when he got murdered that's when the landlord decided this place is problematic that's when the city really decided Cold Crush is a problem. Mm. That it, like up until that point, we were getting I mean, thousands of police calls, complaints, <laughs> you know, fights, this, that, and the other. But at, up until then, you, I could feel the shift in my stomach. Yeah. How things shifted after that, right? You know, it was a, uh, it sucked, man. It really sucked, and a lot of people got blamed for it. Like uh, people wanted to blame everybody except for the dude that killed Goody. Yeah. You know, they want to blame me, bro. Like, that shit was on me heavy for weeks. Right. People were like, it's the DJ Musa guy. Mm. If he gets people get shot at shit, he does. Like, people were blaming K Tone fucking ridiculously. Right. That's crazy. That's fucking Everybody up, but man. the person that. You know what I'm saying? Trip. Everybody except for, like, the person that actually did the shit was responsible. So ultimately, though, they blamed Cold Crush. Right. They blamed the bar. They blamed us. They said that we're facilitating this type of situation, behavior, whatever. And so the city shuts us down, man. It's unprecedented what they did to us. They they used a, um, a law from like the, the 60s or 70s, the public nuisance context, which says, uh, it's from the 80s actually. It's how they shut down crack houses in the wow. 80s. It's, it's saying that, I see you're a crack house, um, See people coming in and out of there, buying crack, doing, uh, selling crack, whatever. We're going to shut you down, and we own the building now, though. Mm. Now, now that's when the city can take over. So at that point, the city could have literally took over Cold Crush, but that's not what ended up happening, thank God. But they used that as a precedent to shut us down. Right. right. And that, that was unheard of. Really, people get shot and at, all the time. People get hurt all the time. Yeah, at the bars theaters, and fights, like fights everywhere, break out everywhere, all over, all over downtown Denver, especially. Yeah. But those places never get shut down. Yeah. And so the 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 we were we were closed for about two days, maybe I think, before the city realizes that's that was probably unfair. And in respect to you know Albus Brooks and and the Rhino people who did come to our aid in that time when they said hey listen uh, this isn't their fault yeah you know the you know our li- liquor license was taken away by the, the city of Denver as and and so there's collusion there on so many levels on like why right you know like who who's responsible for this like right. who who said that the best thing to ha- the best way to handle this is take away their liquor license I don't know and so I but all I know is 
two days later, we're back in business. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's real. This is the Cinderella Community story. was behind yeah. it. Everybody was with like, we got, we, we, had a rally. we had a rally at the bar. 200 people showed up yeah. to open us back up. The news came. Fucking, you know, it, it was a beautiful thing to see the community get behind us and say, hey, listen, this wasn't y'all's fault. Yeah. Goody's mom, had, to, to, to this day, will say, and not blame anything that happened to her son on Cold Crush. Yeah. Things change after that, though, bro. And after that, the the neighborhood is changing at the same time. So I guess That's that would lead three. us to part three. Yeah. <laughs> so you, so do you feel that gentrification? Oh, and the, part three is gentrification. <laughs> and the, uh, the the transition of the residents in the community had a lot to do with the ultimate fate of Absolutely. Gold Rush. Absolutely, and it'd be it'd be silly for me not to to admit that. But the difficulty that I'm having right now is that weren't we a part of that change? Right. Right. Right, right, right. Like, Cold Crush kicked off that change. Like, we were the most successful business down here before any of this stuff started happening. Consistently, we were the most successful business in this neighborhood. We had the most diverse group of patrons and DJs most and staff. The most so there's white people standing in a line to come into Cold Crush. Right. Developers saw that. People saw that. I think we pushed the development of this neighborhood five years ahead of what it was supposed to be at. Because if we did not take that first gamble on the shady neighborhood, you know what I'm saying, and had consistently every kind of person going into Cold Crush, they wouldn't have saw the potential to make other businesses crack down here. Right. And that's what we did, bro. We were cracking every night, and they saw that. And so now here comes the big guns. They're finally like, all right, Larimer's ready now. Yeah. This neighborhood's ready. Yeah. You know? They didn't... They, it was... It's not just the scary yeah, side. it wasn't scary anymore. Like, now yeah. you got, like, fucking five, six bus, party buses of white girls coming down <laughs> to Cold Crush. You no exaggeration. It, right. it, might, it might not be the scariest place anymore. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's time to go. The market opens. A bunch of new stuff develops around us. And all of a sudden, we're like the little guy on the block is what it feels like. You mm-hmm. know, It's like we still got the corner, but now we're dealing with other businesses who are going out of their way to put other businesses out of business. Right. Damn. That's what happened with Joe's Liquor. Joe's Liquor is the oldest business in this neighborhood. It's been it's the liquor store that the Korean guy owns on um, on right there on twenty seventh, right, or in between twenty seventh and uh, twenty sixth. And weren't they trying to? I think they were trying to say something a with like the homeless people. A group or? of businesses band together to send, just like what they did to Cold Crush Man. We were a problem down there. We were a nuisance. So what they tried to do with the liquor store is put the same thing on his head. Say, hey, listen, you're a nuisance down here. If it weren't for you, there wouldn't be no homeless people down here. Exactly. You're in here. You're down here selling cheap liquor and Lucy's and all this shit to homeless people. And the reason why they won't leave this neighborhood is because of you. Wow. And it didn't work, bro. Again, this is the power of this neighborhood. And this is why I'm never leaving the east side because I've seen twice where people who aren't from down here, the the gentrification has tried to come down here and shut down businesses that are valuable to the community. Definitely. You know what I'm saying? That never works. That never works. It works maybe sometimes, but the thing is it doesn't work if the community is involved. Community was involved with Cold Crush. The community was involved with Joe's Liquors, and so when they tried to do that, we came out and did the same thing. We had a fucking protest. People were down there with signs and shit, fucking taking pictures, and... All of a sudden, a week later, they don't. Their liquor license is back activated. Right, right. It's like they're retroactively having to back backtrack because they're shutting down businesses that have lawyers. They don't think we have lawyers, fam. Mm-hmm. They don't think that we know what we're doing because we're people of color, or or they think it's gangster, or they think it's a thug bar, or or, or he's selling. You know, these are, we're talking about family businesses, man. People yeah. that are smart. And we have lawyers. And we know what we're doing. And so, anyway, I was just, wasn't even sure I was going with that anymore, man. <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and spark my split. Yeah, man. So, 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 so part three, yeah, gentrification. Gentrification. We can go on 
about that forever. But that's pretty much in a nutshell, man. The big monster just swallowed up the 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 um, little guys on the block, pretty yeah. much, and the people aren't having that. However, we have run into a situation where Cold Crush is officially closed. Right. So the the closing is is the product of what I was just saying. Mm-hmm. That after Ukiri was killed, the landlord we didn't own the building, so we were in the in the the agreement of signing another uh, three to five year lease. Mm-hmm. Goody gets killed. Landlord says, I don't know about that anymore. Yeah. He, he pumped the brakes on the whole process. We had already signed the lease right. and sent it to him. We're just waiting for him to sign it to get it back. Yeah. But he didn't sign it. And so for the last year and a half, we've been in there kind of month to month on some really weird energy. So finally, you know, our lease was up in July. Just, just the past July, uh, we take him to court because he told us through emails and other, you know, this is all public record, so I can talk about this. He yeah, told right. us through emails and all these other things that we would have an extension from July for three months. Then, at the very last minute, he tried to change his mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's when we took him to court. And we were like, bro, you can't do that. We have employees. These people have families. You know what I'm saying? You can't just tell us one thing through emails and whatever. Yeah, we didn't have a written agreement, but right. we have proof that we're d- negotiating this. Yeah. The judge argued in our favor, said, you know what? you got to give these people the three months. And so it went from a, a three-year extension to three-month extension to cold Kush is now closed. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> like, damn, like, you know all this, but then when you really hear it, it's like, when you think about it, it's like, shady, that, man. Like, yeah. this, this is crazy. Listen, there, it, there's so much shade involved that, that I can't even really get into it. But yeah, the, yeah. the reality is, and I believe in my heart, that place was taken from us. Yeah, definitely. And I can, I mean, I've been drinking, I'm high, the whole shit, but like, that's, I walk around this neighborhood still. I still live down here, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, my Airbnb. Curtis Park Art House one time is right up the street. <laughs> I walk through this neighborhood still and I see the development and I see what is happening down here and we weren't part of that plan. Yeah. So we they had to find a way to get you up on it. You know? There. Like, this is, this is cookie cutter. This is everyday fucking knock this shit out, build this shit, fucking throw a brewery in there, throw, you know, rich people with money being able to take over entire blocks. Yeah. Entire blocks, bro. Not just like little spot here like a little coal crush I'm talking about the entire block yeah like the, the money that's in this neighborhood now is is hard to swallow because it's it's just like alright well where was this 20 years ago yeah, right. when it was dangerous down here and Denver needed that exactly you know what I'm saying when there was gangs down here and, and we needed restaurants and, and gro- it's still not even a good grocery store down here you yeah. Know, bro? yeah you know what I'm saying but it's coming because the, the, the demand is gonna be there for it and you can't have all these people living in fucking these high rises and shit and they can't go buy food That's true. so yeah. now they're gonna it's, it's like and this is listen Denver's not even unique in this happening this happened in every major city in the world yeah. but I, I live here and yeah. I'm from here and so this is very personal to me and so the part four if I think we're on <laughs> is the future yeah Cold Crush is closed man and it breaks my heart it really does because I think about all the, the people I met through from that place the people I became friends with the, what, the, the DJ connection that I had like I have a, a brethren of DJs now yeah, yeah. they right. all they really built a family you know the they built a real community the artists you know that like I, I curate and do art for real now because my friends came into that bar and they fucking showed out man yeah. they did the, some of the best murals I've ever seen in my life you know what I'm saying like 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 quality quality shit from the town yeah this is the town doing this it ain't we're not flying dudes in and this, that, and the other. No, this is people that I drink whiskey with and not fucking smoke weed with on a regular basis. Yeah. And and they're so good at what they do that they crush it. Side note, the good cop, bad cop mural. Yeah, yeah legendary. That that put us in a little bit of hot water. Yeah. That was that on the news and everything. Water. That's when, I think that's when the cops did stop like liking Cold Crush yeah. and wanted to protect us. And, and again, I can't say that unequivocally that like, that mural alone was why things started getting weird, but I could tell they didn't like that shit. Man. That was iconic, though. You know? Like, that's one of the moments in Denver so, history. So, yeah, so we've been able to do use the, the, the voice of that wall 
to talk about shit. Yeah. Like, who else did that? Still doing it right now with the soul piece. All right. So, part four, the future. Soul was the end. Like, that was a really important piece. Big up Scott LaFaber. He's my friend, and he did three murals at Cold Crush. He did the good cop, bad cop mural. Mm-hmm. He did the very first one of the dude digging through the records. Yeah. And did that piece right there. Oh, I wow. See you, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he did the very last mural. The idea was to just, like, black it out. Like, if the problem with the art in this neighborhood is that it feels like we're painting the gentrification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, 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 and I have this argument with a lot of my art friends about because this is the neighborhood where this is Rhino. This is where we paint. This is where art is made, mm-hmm. right? That's what uh, they say. And so everywhere you look, there's there's art everywhere. There's big murals and cool shit. But then the the, the irony of that is that this is one of the most unaffordable neighborhoods in Colorado, right. in this part of the country. Yeah. How do those two things coincide at the same time? You have an art district, an art culture that's where art is made, so that means that by artists, I'm assuming robots don't make art, like, right. you know, developers don't make art, artists make art. So if this is where art is made, why aren't there artists living down here? Yeah. And nobody can answer that question. Not even my art friends who continue to paint right. on these buildings. Right. They, they, they're just like, well, I'm doing it because I should do it and we should do it because we can't let them have it completely, but they've already taken it. Yeah. Yeah. They already have it. It's crazy. And, and it's we're like, painting. And we continue to paint it. So yeah. going back to the blackout, the soul thing. Yeah, yeah. That's done. No more no more nice paintings from Cold Crush. So you soul went up. Just to, just to kind of get you guys going that don't live in Denver or don't know. Um, it was pretty much just a blacked out wall with the word soul in white letters. Soul, period. And now it's slowly, or it was slowly blacking out. Like, what was it? Every few days. It'll be gone by tomorrow yeah so yeah. that's pretty deep like yeah. the soul just of the soul leaving the neighborhood and yeah. again this is scott lefavor and myself really trying to because we we wanted to just paint like tupac fucking middle yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were just coming up with concepts and ideas and we like man what if we just say fuck you and then we just erase fuck you after like a day and i was like no man like you can't can't be that blatant but right. finally we came up with the idea of just like soul that cold crush was the soul of this neighborhood man it provided a place for everybody to go not yeah. everyone everywhere is like that yeah you know like soul means that's universal right yeah that means it don't matter who you are like if you got that then you can come in a lot of these places they they, they don't have soul screen for mm-hmm. that that's not what their prerequisite is of what you get to come in money is yeah. why you come in yeah you know what I'm saying not soul like we 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 served fucking homeless people, gangbangers. We didn't like if you had it in you, like yeah. you could come in here. And everybody got along. That was was weird, man. Like I remember the first time I ever went to Cold Crush. It was like a Thursday or some shit. Yeah. And I was just amazed by the fact because you know, granted, like when you hear East Side, like people are like oh shit. Like even when you from the East Side, it's like oh shit. Like, the East, side, like, East, every, side, every, East Side, East Side, yeah. East Side. I go in and day. it's like me and my guys. And then it's like all the cool kids, like you said. And then it's like regular Joe Schmoes that just wandered in. Then you got like some homeless cats that came in, <laughs> kicking in with the cribs. But we all vibing. Like everybody's just listening it's, to Wu-Tang shit, just vibing out. like that. I've, I promise you, I've been all over the world. I've never really seen homeless people being able to be embraced into a place yeah, just come in and as kick well it. as we did. We buy them a drink you know, or something. Like we just, these people are around us every day. We can't just walk over them. We can't just act like they don't exist. We employed the homeless people in our neighborhood. We yeah. fed the homeless people in our neighborhood. We did clothes drives for the homeless people in our neighborhood because these people are here. Yeah. Can't just look over them. And that that's, that's the, again, that's the evil of the gentrification. They're trying to act like these people aren't here yeah. or that they're not, like, relevant or whatever. And so they're just sweeping them off the streets or just pushing them out of sight. And that, that's, not, that's not what's up, man. And it's crazy because they're that's spending all this money to keep what looks like soul or what looks like you it's know the, the coolness listen, the culture the they're they, 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 they want to take advantage of this is the of the culture but they don't this want, is want the culture they, they, want, they the want the culture yeah. but they don't want the people that is exactly what you just said they want to keep their art okay but they don't want us to, they don't want us to be down here yeah that's not going to work anymore and so that's why we blacked out the wall it's like now you got to know that you don't get the art no more yeah right. 
Like you, you don't even know how much of a service we were providing publicly to that community by painting. People would just come by and take pictures of the mural. They were beautiful, bro. Yeah. They were they were flawless. They were done by professionals. They were done by people who make a living doing this shit. And now you don't get that anymore. Yeah. If we can't be here in business and you don't like our business, I mean, we dude, I've seen emails and letters from from people that you wouldn't imagine the most racist shit, yeah. the most fucking horrible, the, the deplorable fucking get these fuckers out of here type of shit. Like, if you don't want us here, then we're taking the culture, too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. You don't just, you don't, if you don't want us to see us, our bodies, and guess what? We're taking everything. And that includes that wall and the art. Rest in peace to the Cold Crush wall, because yeah. I don't know what's going to happen now. So, <laughs> so that leads into my, my, my question, my final question. Well, not final question, but I guess the conclusion of this saga right here. What's next? Because Cold Crush is not just an establishment. Right, you know, now it's in. So the brand it's is solid. We could yeah. go on the stock market right now. Bro. Yeah. Like, we're good, <laughs> Brian. Hey, just because I know people got their heads down. Tessa, uh, all the staff. Shout out to Tessa. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I don't want to forget nobody, but just everybody that has contributed to Cold Crush. You have made it a commodity. You've made it a brand. You've made it something that people are going to remember. People want to buy merchandise and things from that's a rare thing as a business because a lot of people have restaurants or, 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 or bars or clubs but like do they do they affect the cultural integrity of a town right do they affect the, the spiritual integrity of a town and like Cold Crush did that right no do we try to do we, <laughs> it's real man alright do we try to do we try right, to recreate it alright so the future so the future is we create the fuck out of that. Okay. Okay. We create the fuck out of that. That is a, a commodity, fam. Yeah. Like we have shown that hip hop is still powerful. Right. That black people are powerful. That that uh, that that art and culture are powerful, powerful things. Right. But a lot of the development and a lot of the the new businesses in this neighborhood, they're not looking at those things as the centerpiece of what they're doing. They're like, all right, I want to just open a restaurant. Or I want to open up a place to sell beer. If, if the, the core of what you're doing is I want to help the community that I live in. You know, I want to, I want to support the homeless people in this area. I want to support the kids in this area. Right. Then you can create any kind of business that you want. Right. So the next step is all kinds of businesses. Yeah. You know, not just a bar, not just a restaurant, but fucking car wash, fam. If you put a vibe at a car wash, you're gonna get more businesses. That's right. <laughs> right. That's, that's real. Right. That's real. If you inject a real vibe yeah. at a car wash, you know what I'm saying? There's a spot on Colfax, bro, that sells coffee, but they got girls in bikinis selling coffee. Yeah. Where's that? <laughs> latte, fam. I'm telling you, it's a real deal. Mm-hmm. It's the, the it marketing. <laughs> it's everything. It's the vibe. It's marketing the vibe. is everything. If yeah. you inject a little bit of sexiness or a little bit of vibe into anything you'll make more money than the same person selling the same thing right. and that's why Cold Crush worked is because we injected the sexy hip hop shit into a bar Yeah, and it worked no one thought that that would work you know no one was just like yo just do straight hip hop every night yeah. all the time all day long it's true. and it worked it worked it beyond. So I'm not going to say rest in peace, Cold Crush. No, because it's like the vibe is there. Say so long live Cold one more thing Crush. for the future, and I just want to say this publicly to like anyone who knows me or that wants to open up a business or that fucks with me or that fucks with Cold Crush. Like Denver is a really important place, and and I just think that uh, we're at the point now where if we start pulling resources together, that's yeah. why I appreciate y'all. And, oh, like, no doubt. On the show. Straight you up. You know what I'm saying? My man is... Like appreciate you. Oh yeah, all of that. Oh, Producer Jewy, okay. weird handshake. Yeah, like right. like, you know, just people like Eastside Jewy and like all the people that I know that from Cold Crush. It, it makes it so there's the potential now to do anything we want. Cold Crush changed the town. So if there was, what if there was like three more of those places? You know, mm. what if there was like a Cold Crush? You know laundromat and a cold crush you know what I'm saying it's like the brand is not cold crush the brand is us the brand is black people the brand is hip hop the brand is uh, people of color the brand is fucking white folks that are chill you know like the chill is the brand and so if you inject that into anything 
it'll be successful and I'm just publicly saying let's get to work making Denver fucking dope because we got cool things to go do yes yeah. I got you bro I got you shit I'm gonna ask my question because yeah. that answered it but we're not gonna say the end we're gonna say to be continued because the saga is to be continued bro I got a couple For things real. coming up real quick let me yeah, plug my last few yeah. things <laughs> plug plug I'm about to make a, a a short film with my son that's a if people have been seeing the assassin with son hashtag yeah yeah that's what that's about like I'm studying this samurai shit I'm studying Japanese philosophy and ninjas and because my son loves it and we dress up like ninjas and have a fucking ball so that's really happening uh, so look for that um, I got some projects that I'm working on like I think Welton Street is a very important part of this new equation no doubt. so I'm challenging people to like if you know or someone that owns a business on Welton or is just doing something in the five points to come talk to me and let's really push for five points right now because I think uh, Rhino's done. This neighborhood is, is finished, but the five points is still the essence of black and brown Colorado of the West. And I think we still have ancestors and energy in that neighborhood that will work in our favor if we decide to be business people and entrepreneurs. Um, my Airbnb is cracking. Please go check, check out. <laughs> Please go check out Curtis Park Art House. I'm selling art out of there. I got a really nice place. If you're traveling, it's safe. It's comfortable. Um, and uh, my mean team is about to jump off. Big up Tech and Wushu and Jip and uh, Spencer. Uh, and um, yeah, shout out to my son. Glenn, we're going to do things, buddy. Trust. And as far as uh, social media, how can people oh, yeah. follow you I'm and connect with Musa you? Bailey on Facebook, DJ Musa Worldwide on Instagram. I don't really fuck with Twitter. Um, it's a waste of my time. Uh, what else? Yeah, my Instagram is popping and my, my Facebook is popping, so you can always check me on those things. Work. Well, man, shit. That was thank you for being patient with me, guys. We needed all of that talk thing, and I honestly, I needed to get that off my chest because this has been a really difficult time in my life. Yeah. Because to watch something you've done be successful have to end, like nobody wants that. You know, yeah. you think you think when it works, it's gonna last forever. Yeah. But the the truth is in knowing what to take from and when it ends. Yeah. And what I take from this is that. There's so much more that we can do. There's like 50 billion more things <laughs> that we can do that are cool to make money in this town. So one time for the east side, one time for Denver. DJ Musa. Oh man, y'all, let's make hey, some noise. Hey, hey. This shit, man. Life is dope podcast. I'm graffiti. And I'm David. Yeah. People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water, vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. Copyright 2020, Glasso.